Welcome to Studying the Song, a podcast to help musical theater actors figure out what to sing and how to sing it so that you shine in your audition, one-woman show, or leading role. My friends, talent and passion are only the beginning. I believe there is freedom in preparation. I believe that when you put in the work, practice the skills, and do the research, something amazing happens. You become so prepared in your craft that you become unstoppable. In this podcast, I want to give you the tools and skills to create a powerful audition book that showcases your artistry and actually gets you work. I want you to feel totally at home reading the musical score of a show, and I want to help you define your unique artistic voice. Consider me your own personal vocal coach in your earbuds, cheering you on and bringing you the reality checks you need along the way. I'm Corey Yamaoka, and I'm so excited to be walking this journey with you. Let's dive in. Hello, today we are talking about your audition book and more specifically what audition song categories you need to have in your book. Now, I know auditioning is a subject that has a lot of emotional baggage attached to it. There's so much pressure because you know like so much is riding on these 16 bars, like will you get the job or not? Will you pay the rent or not? Did I make the right choice majoring in theater? Are you going to make it as an actor? It's like so many like mental gymnastics that we're going through while we're trying to go into the audition room and perform. You've also got all of the smaller insecurities and questions like, did you pick the right audition song? Will someone else have the same song as you? Will you hit your high notes? Did you show enough range? Does this song fit the show? Is your song or is your voice good enough? Is my acting good enough? It's a lot of fear and insecurity to take with you into the audition room. And understandably so. You're putting yourself out there to be judged. And it can feel super harsh when we're rejected. Um, We should do another episode just talking about how it's not personal. But it's part of our the nature of our industry that we have to repeatedly prove that we're qualified for the job and that we are the person that they want to hire. Other people go through the hiring process once for a job and then they stick around in that job for years. They may be performing at a really high level. They may have a time when they're kind of mediocre. They're going through a hard time and they're just, you know, not that great on their job, but they only get fired if they do something egregious, but not us. We are on the line over and over and over, and it can make you crazy. So today I'm hopefully going to help you release some of that baggage. We're going to talk about how to select the appropriate songs to put into your audition book so that you can walk into the audition room with confidence every single time. So let's get into it. As an audition coach and repertoire specialist, one of the main questions I get asked, of course, is what should I sing for this audition? And I both love and hate this question. I love it because finding songs that fit you as a singer and the show you're auditioning for is my jam. It is my passion. It lights me up and gives me energy. I love matching the singer, the song, and the show. But I hate this question because too often the singer is unprepared for the audition right from the get-go. Their book is in disarray and they're thinking about learning a new song just for this audition. And I'm like, no way, don't. Don't do that. The audition's tomorrow. So here's how the coachings usually go. I find that there are like three types of singers when it comes to audition books. The first singer is the tiny binder singer. 
This person has five songs in their book. They're all contemporary since like 2010. And maybe they have one throwback song because their favorite singer was in a revival or did it in a cabaret show at 54 Below or something like that. They don't have anything from 1950, nothing that shows legit, nothing intimate, and nothing specialty-based. And I flip through the book and I say, there's nothing, nothing in here that fits the show that you want to audition for. That's because you don't have a variety of styles covered and you don't have experience even singing in these other styles and eras and genres. And now you've got to choose to sing something totally inappropriate that you know well, which I've had some people have to make that choice because they were so late in the game and preparing, or learn something brand new that will fit the show, but you don't really have the time to learn all the ins and outs of singing and acting it thoughtfully and having it like memorized in your body. So for this person, the tiny binder singer, the work is um, we have to make a list of all the genres and categories that you need in your book. And then you've got to start filling in those categories. And once I start writing those down for somebody, it's usually like an overwhelming moment. They're like, all of those categories. I'm like, yeah, you need to have these at least, um, you know, selected and put into your book and learned, if not also be taking them out on auditions on a regular basis and testing them out. So that's the first singer, tiny binder singer. You need more songs, more categories. Then you've got the big binder singer and they have every song they know in the audition book. It's one big binder, but actually it's spilled over into an overflow binder. And now it's the overflow is just as big as the big binder. You used to have an audition binder that you would put things in, but you haven't auditioned in so long that there's no use in keeping it up. And you just pick something out whenever you need it because you're sure to find something in these big binders. Y'all, this is not the way to do things. You don't have a table of contents. You have no idea what categories are covered. You don't have designated audition songs in a separate binder that are cleanly cut and that are like easily accessible by the accompanist. You've got to do all of this work every time you want to go into an audition. Also, if you don't have the specific audition cuts and songs picked out from your larger repertoire binder, then you don't have those specific cuts in your body, the singing, the acting, the memorization, all of that stuff and you haven't used it on other auditions and tested it out for nerves and consistency and feedback from the auditors to see what lands and what doesn't land. So the work that you need to do, Big Binder Singer, if that's you, you need to put all of your songs into categories and then start sifting through to find you know, which one of these, which ones stand out as the best fit for you. And I can talk about that in another podcast. I'm sure that I will. All right, the third kind of singer is the old binder singer. This doesn't mean that you are old. It just means your audition book is old. You put it together five, 10 years ago. You had a lot of great songs in a variety of categories, but it was for who you were as a performer at that time. So obviously the drawback is these songs may not fit who you currently are. Hopefully your skills have improved over the last five to 10 years. Your type may have changed as you're getting older. Your age range category for certain um, roles may have shifted. And then what's also tough, if you haven't been updating your book, is you don't have songs from recent shows. 
Um, you may be lacking in rock musicals and um, rock radio hits specifically because that has really been something that's emerged emerged um, within the five, ten, five to 10 years that you have to have in your book. So what you've got to do is your work is to purge your book of the stuff that no longer fits you, no longer serves you, and then start looking for new rep in those categories and then any new categories that you need to um, amplify as well. What all three of you, the tiny binder, the big binder, and the old binder singer are hopefully going to become is the purposeful binder singer. You're going to have all the different categories you need to cover any show that comes up on the audition boards. Every song is going to fit your vocal strengths. It's going to showcase your personality, and it's going to match the right type of who you are. Every song is actually going to move your career in the direction you want it to go because they're actually going to fit your dream roles and the types of shows that you are particularly well-suited for. And that is the purposeful binder that you want to have. Doesn't that sound amazing? Like such a huge weight lifted off your shoulder to know that you've got everything covered, already cut, table of contents, super cleanly put into a book that you can take in if the audition's in three months and you know it's coming up or if it's tomorrow. You guys, your audition book is one of your biggest assets. And when it comes to getting work and being a professional musical theater actor, you need to have every single duck lined up in a row and everything in your corner that you can control. And your audition book is one of those things. You can use it to craft the career that you are excited to be a part of. You do not just have to be at the mercy of what anybody is putting up on the audition boards and like, well, I'm just going to try for everything. You don't have to do that. You can be more focused than that. Um, Your audition book also is how you show casting directors and the creative team a snapshot of who you are, the skills that you have, your unique vocal abilities, and then also your just your vibe and your energy. They don't know you. So you need to get them to understand who you are and what you have to offer in that very short window of time that is your audition. You also, in addition to showing them who you are, want to make it easy for them to envision you in their show. And that means you're presenting a song that sounds like their show, has a similar emotional moment to the character that you're looking to be cast as, and it delivers all of the vocal requirements for the role that you're aiming for. If it's legit, belt, rock, etc. If you can get all of that, you and the show all represented in your song, your performance in your audition is going to make them say like, heck yes, we want them in our show somewhere, somehow they need to be in it. And you're going to go in that yes pile. Anything short of nailing, showing yourself and matching what they're doing is going to put you in the maybe pile. And that's like, you don't want to be in the maybe pile. You want to be, yes, we love this person or No, not right for this show, but I totally see who they are. And when we're doing this other show, I'll think of them for that. If you get in the middle ground, it's just a dangerous place to be because it means you're not showcasing exactly what you have to offer and you're not totally landing your choices with the show that you're auditioning for. So let's get into how we're going to do this. I'm going to break down each category of song that you need to have in your book. So there's no question in your mind as to what genres you need. These categories span over 100 years of musical theater history. So um, it's going to be a lot of material, but it should pretty much have anything that you're 
you know, anything that comes up, you're going to be covered for. Okay. And there is a method to getting the right balance of genres and styles. And that's what I'm going to share with you today. I also, just to let you know, have a free checklist of these categories and the composers for each category that you should look into. And you can get them by going to the show notes for this podcast, or just by going to koryamaoka.com and looking at the resources page, or you can type in koryamaoka.com forward slash podcast, and you'll get to the, um, the podcast page. Okay. So for your book, you must have these songs that I'm about to lay out for you already learned, polished, memorized, thoughtfully acted, and living in your body before you go into the audition. That's the ideal, right? You're not learning the day before. You want to be able to sing these songs at the drop of a hat if the audition came up tomorrow, and preparing for advance is the only way, or preparing in advance is the only way that you can do it, so then you don't have to worry about all the technicalities of like, how you're going to sing this note, and what if you're sick? Like, you know these work even when you're sick. The other thing for these songs, we're going to aim to have a variety of songs to fit any audition. I've already said that a million times, but it's not only the genre that is variety, but like the tempos and the vocal style and the vocal range and the emotional moments. So you want your book to reflect all of these things. Um, And I know it's like a tall order. It, It takes time. It takes, you know, using songs and trying them out before you, you know, really nail them. And you can always substitute later if you don't like the one you choose, but here they are. I like to think in chronological order. So the first category that we're going to start with is operetta. Operetta is like late 1800s to 1930s. It's sort of like that halfway point between opera and musical theater. Operettas are usually shorter than operas. Um, They have dialogue and they're usually lighter and less complex than operas. A lot of them are um, even like satirical, very comedic. Um, others are romantic and epic and those are fun too. This category features legit style singing from operettas from the early 20th century, mostly. So that's 1910s, 1920s, 1930s. Your audition cut should ideally be from this time period instead of being from a later show that's written like an operetta because the early 1900s shows, their melodies and their lyrics are written in a different way than they are today. So go with the original time period shows and not shows that are part that are a pastiche done in that style. This category is like where true legit singers shine. If you've got a strong classical singing background, you need to really um, have some great choices in this category. But it's also worthwhile for all singers to explore. Even if you don't fancy yourself the best legit singer, there are still character roles in these shows. And these shows are done across the US and the world on a regular basis. Um, So you are going to have repeated year after year opportunities to get gigs with this category. One of the most famous uh, composing duos is Gilbert and Sullivan. They do comedic operettas and they are a favorite of regional civic light operas across the U.S. And they're really fun shows to be a part of, but you got to be a dang good legit singer. Um, One of their shows you might know Pirates of Penzance, also HMS Pinafore, Mikado, Gondoliers, and then there's also um, The Desert Song is another show you might look into. Showboat, which is not 
exactly an operetta, still has music that is written in that style, some really beautiful, legit um, romantic songs. And then there's some later shows like Candide by Leonard Bernstein, Light in the Piazza, and Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder that are written in this style. So if you've got those older songs in your book for operetta, you can use them for you know, revivals of those shows or these newer shows as well. The composers to look at, Gilbert and Sullivan, like I said, Sigmund Romberg, Victor Herbert, Jerome Kern, and Rudolf Frimmel. Again, if you download the, um, the reference guide checklist, you're going to have all of this information on there for you. Okay. Category number two, we're going in sequence, would be Vaudeville and Tin Pan Alley. This is basically like, again, concurrent with operetta, 1900 to 1940-ish. And it's a different style of songwriting and performing. These shows or these songs actually were not often in shows. They were standalone pieces done in the vaudeville circuit or in reviews, okay? And the composers that wrote these pieces have have really become the founders of Broadway and all of their work is generally referred to the American songbook. So if you hear that term, American songbook, that just means early 1900s before we had like golden age musicals, which we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, as I said, often standalone songs, they don't fit into a particular storyline or character arc. So there's not as much like deep acting work to put into them. Um, they were kind of shoehorned into the plots of these dance shows and reviews. Um, and they have, they're amazing songs. They're like novelty numbers that are kind of gimmicky, patriotic songs. You've got like ragtime was emerging at that time. So really fun, rhythmic ragtime pieces. And then a lot of these songs in the context of their show were sung in one way and eventually they morphed into jazz standards. So you can kind of get like a double duty out of the songs if you sing them in their traditional 1920s way as the jazz, uh, pre-jazz standard. And then you can also reform them later. You can transpose them down to a lower key and make them into a jazz number. Um, you also have dance numbers, ballads, and comedy. Um, stylistically, the songs are presentational. As I said, they're not super in-depth, character-driven kind of pieces. They have a strong sense of rhythm, um, and you do get a range from comedic to ingenue and belters to legit. So don't think that because it's vaudeville and you're a classical singer, there's nothing for you. They're still comedic vaudeville pieces. Song examples that, I mean, there are so many, you guys, but I just want to give you a few. Lydia the Tattooed Lady, Give My Regards to Broadway, Stairway to Paradise, Alexander's Ragtime Band, Putting on the Ritz, Fascinating Rhythm, Cheek to Cheek, Night and Day, My Heart Belongs to Daddy, and so many more. Like, hopefully you recognize those songs and you're like, Ah, that's the category. This is vaudeville and um, Tim Pan Alley. This is the American songbook. Okay, I get that. They have really become like the fabric of America, these songs. As I said, they have now turned into jazz standards. Usually, if you're going to make them into a jazz standard, kind of like Ella Fitzgerald or Frank Sinatra, if you're doing something that's like uh, for a cruise ship or a casino or something like a lounge singer deal, you're going to want to lower the key. Just a little advanced tip for you. The composers to look at for this category include George M. Cohan, Irving Berlin, Cole Porter, Rogers and Hart, 
George Gershwin, Kurt Vile, Harold Arlen, Jerome Kern, Irving Caesar, and then a little trio called De Silva, Brown, and Henderson. They did a bunch of fun little, um, like kind of college young people age dance shows in the 1920s. Shows that you would possibly be auditioning for that feature this style. This is sort of what you really need to be looking out for. Um, There is a show called Little Johnny Jones, and that's where um, Yankee Doodle is featured, and I give my regards to Broadway, so it's it's a classic that's done every so often. And then also your 1920s and like jazz tap shows like um, Anything Goes, No No Nanette, Crazy For You, 42nd Street, um, Ain't Misbehavin', Yubi, all of those are in this era. And then there are shows um, written as pastiche. They're written actually later, like um, Follies by Sondheim. The Producers features this kind of music and Young Frankenstein. And then even like particular characters might draw on this. And one that comes to mind is the MC from Cabaret. A lot of what he does is vaudeville, Tim Pan Alley style performance. Okay. The next category sequentially is starting in 1943, um, breaking onto the scene in Broadway was a show called Oklahoma. And this is kind of known as the beginning of the golden age of musical theater, the beginning of book driven musicals, where the book and the songs and the dance all interweave together to create one cohesive storyline. It had happened a little bit beforehand, um, but really 1943 is when this blossom starts to just be everywhere. It's how you write a musical. Um, And then the ending date, I would say, let's say 1968 with the um, entree of hair onto Broadway. So that is like the beginning of rock musicals and concept musicals and all that kind of stuff. There continue to be golden age after that, but this is really one particular time period, 1943 to 1968. This category is non-negotiable. It must be in your book. These shows are the bread and butter of regional theater. They are revived year after year, and many of them had been made into Hollywood musicals that, again, have become part of the fabric of American culture, and they are beloved to Um, audiences across America. Here are some show titles just to get you thinking about the right, the right shows. Cinderella, Oklahoma, Sound of Music, South Pacific, Funny Girl, Fiddler on the Roof, West Side Story, Guys and Dolls, My Fair Lady, The Fantastics, The Music Man, Pajama Game, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, and so many more. You guys are going to see these Every year, if you go and audition for um, like the summer stock uh, shows, like a whole season, I bet you one of the pieces, or if not one, two of the pieces are going to be golden age musicals. I would suggest you have a ballad and an up-tempo in this category. You may want to choose a ballad and an up-tempo for every category, but definitely for this one. These songs are not presentational. The story is now the thing, right? Before this, in the, you know, the teens and the tens and the twenties, or the the tens, the twenties and the thirties, excuse me, um, you know, the stars were the thing, the song was the thing. They would sell the song afterwards and people would buy sheet music just for the song um, and they'd buy records of that song. And so the stories weren't very important. But at this point, now the story is the thing. Like you want a fully 
um, you know, developed character where that goes on a journey and is changed by the end and that kind of thing. So your songs are going to showcase those moments of discovery for the character rather than being a gimmick or a novelty or showcasing the song itself. You still are able to highlight your talents. Like if you're legit or belter or character, there's going to be something for you in this category because there are so many outstanding songs from the era. Um, Let me give you some other composers to listen to. And again, hopefully you know these names already, but here they are. Rodgers and Hammerstein. They have been become the definitive golden age composer um, and lyricist in my team, in my mind, excuse me. Lerner and Lowe, Jerry Herman, Irving Berlin, Cole Porter, Leonard Bernstein, Burton Lane, Harold Arlen, Kurt Vile, Frank Lesser, Bach and Harnick, Meredith Wilson, Julie Stein, Adler and Ross, and there's even more than that. Again, download the, um, the cheat sheet and you will be able to have all of these names in one place. Um, I just, I want to give you the names within the podcast just so that you're getting those names in your mind. And you also see that some of them are covering more than one category. Like Irving Berlin is one of the founders of Broadway. He is in that Tim Pan Alley era. And then he adapts and ends up writing book musicals like um, Annie Get Your Gun. You can, what's funny is in those shows, you see the holdovers from the previous time period, the gimmick songs that don't really fit into the storyline, but are great songs. So there it is, Golden Age, 1943 to 1968. Okay, we are going to stop right there. This topic was so expansive that I split it into two parts. You can hear about categories four through 10 in the next episode, so just keep listening. Don't forget to visit koryamaoka.com forward slash resources to download download the audition book categories checklist, which should be very helpful as you're researching new songs. Here are today's takeaways. Number one, your audition book is one of your biggest assets when it comes to getting work and being a professional musical theater actor. It shows casting directors and the creative team a snapshot of who you are so they can understand what you have to offer in the very short window of time that is your audition. Number two, become the purposeful binder singer who has songs in all the categories to cover any show. The songs fit your vocal strengths, personality, and character type right now, and they aim at auditions for your dream roles and the shows you're particularly well-suited for. Number three, your audition should be your arsenal of songs that are already learned, polished, memorized, thoughtfully acted, and living in your body in advance of your audition. Number four, Operettas feature legit singing, but many of them also have character roles and songs for comedic actors. Number five, vaudeville and Tin Pan Alley songs can play double duty in your book. Sing them in the original style to audition for shows in that era, and then put them in a lower key and style them as a jazz standard for jazz band gigs on cruises, in casinos, and for corporate events. Number six, starting in the golden age, your song should showcase a moment of discovery for the character. Match that moment to the role you're auditioning for to help the creative team envision you in their show. If part of today's episode resonated with you, or if you think someone else might really benefit from hearing it, 
please consider sharing this episode with a friend. Send them a link or a screenshot or post a screenshot on Instagram. If you tag me, I will share it as well. You can leave a review of the podcast anytime, and that helps us get seen in search so that other people can find the show and start working on their own performance journey in a deeper way as well. If you want to connect on Instagram, you can find me at studying the song. If you have any other questions, email me studying the song at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I know you have a million other ways you could be spending your precious time, and it means so much that you chose to spend some of it here with me. I will see you next time. <laughs>